Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I mean, I want Zion, I want women, but, you know, I try to, you know, get the gym a little excited. You got to just get, you know, that dog mentality all the way across the board. And I mean, once that happens and you're talking about people got real problems on their hand. But down to Tampa, the second game, I was like, no, this is really Tom Brady. Like, I'm really lining up. Like, I got my job, but they paying me to go get this man right now. Yo, welcome to All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Bryant McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The name says it all. If you like what you hear, make sure you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube. Just visit youtube.com slash all things covered. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page as well. Turn on your alerts. When you turn on your alerts, you get the show right away so you don't miss anything. Pat, another outstanding show. What will we cover in this episode? Hey, yo, Matt, you know we, y'all got y'all gonna have to do a better job of testing me on has Pat heard, right? Oh, we got something for you. We, we, we ready. <laughs> we All ready. Right. Yeah, also we got in the show, we got to catch up a little bit. With the uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, mm-hmm. we also going to chat with a young SEC stud, now a Carolina Panther, who will join us soon. Derek Brown, stay Derek tuned. Brown, Panther fans, stay tuned. First quarter of the show, it's time to chop it up. On this chopping it up segment, we're going to talk about aging as an athlete. Me and Pat P, we're Laker fans, and unfortunately, the Lakers took one on the chin. LeBron James, in year eighteen. Dealing with ankle ailments didn't look like the LeBron James that we've seen in years past. Mm-hmm. Father time will always catch up with you, regardless of who you are, especially when you're playing an active sport. Baseball, I mean, mostly football, basketball, hockey, track. And talking about athletes when they're aged, Pat P, you've talked about this. We even had Champ Bailey on the show a few weeks ago. If you missed that Champ Bailey show, it's in your feed. Go check it out. An unbelievable conversation with one of the GOATs to ever do it at the cornerback position. But people are finally saying that Father Time is catching up LeBron James. And at some point in time, it will. When you talk about aging as an athlete, Pat P, how have you attacked aging? And you're still young. You're about to be, what, 31 in a month or so. But clearly, you're not the same guy that you were when you were 23, 24, 25. So how have you attacked the aging element to your game to be able to still play at a high level. Just keeping the mind sharp for the most part, you know, you know, this better than anybody, you know, in the game and in football is only a certain amount of things that an outside receiver can do to you. And obviously if you, if you're, if you're losing speed or, you know, you can't run like you, like you can, now you have to use your brain, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what guys always tell you when you come into the league anyway, you're going to use 80% of your brain, 20% of your athletic ability. And if you're overdoing, if you're just solely dependent on your athletic ability, you won't be in this league very long no or question. any profession very long, like far as an athletic uh, profession. So, you know, as the years go on and you, I mean, at, at times you will start to see some of your skill set diminish a little bit, but that's what the off season is for. So you can continue to try, to try to get that 
to a point to where you feel comfortable knowing that you may may lost a little bit and it may now you may have to change around your training regimens. Now, like I said, now you have to put your body in better position. So for me, you know, I just look at look at a ton of film, you know, seeing how how I can avoid receivers from stacking me, you know, because that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we as a DB never want to have because these quarterbacks are good enough to put the ball wherever they want, wherever they want the ball to be. So the biggest thing is just watching a ton of film, trying to put myself my body in the best position possible, trying to understand what's coming at me before it happens. You know, so, and, and another thing is just taking care of your body. You know what I mean? Because like, like, uh, like, like you talked about LeBron James, obviously having those nagging uh, injuries uh, throughout the season. You know, I think that's the most games he's ever missed in his, in his 17 year career. And, you know, we all know LeBron has been a hundred miles per hour ever since he got into the league. You know, it was only, a matter of time to where, you know, father time will, you know, eventually catch up with him. But, you know, we all know LeBron puts a lot of money into his body. We know he's one of the smartest, have one of the highest basketball IQs um, that ever played the game. So, you know, I don't, I just, I think that was just one of those nagging injuries and with him having, because, you know, LeBron had ankle injuries all the time and played, you know, two weeks or not two weeks, two days after that Mm -hmm. injury happened. It's just now when you get older, it takes your body a little bit longer to uh, to recover so the biggest thing is your mind you continue treating your body putting that investment in your body because you know like my uh, my old defense coordinator used to say if you if you're making an investment right how would you feel are you going to be devastated that you lost a dollar investment versus a million dollar investment no question so your investment is your body you know what Mm -hmm. i mean so you want to be able to invest in your body invest in your mind so when it is time for for you to perform, the investment gonna pay out. And Pat P, you you've mentioned on one of our past shows that you spend around three hundred k annually on your body. Ha, has that changed as as you're getting older? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is in detailed in that financial investment into your body? Do you eat a certain type of way during the, during the season? Do you drink certain things? Do you go to sleep at a certain time? You know, what are the detail information? Uh, what what detailed information do you have regarding what you need to do to get your body together? Well, the, the biggest thing what young guys don't understand is sleep is the most cost effective recovery that you can ever have. I mean, you don't have to pay a damn thing to get some rest. <laughs> you know, what I mean? that's free. That's free. Like I'm all for, you know, having a good time, relishing the moment. But at some point. That partying, that you know, whatever you're doing, extracurricular, gonna have to stop because your body's paying a toll. Mm-hmm. You know, so I still do. I spend around. I spend around about that much, around two fifty to three hundred on my body. I have a personal coach. Mm-hmm. I get a massage twice a week. I got a uh, hyperbaric chamber. Put a sauna in my house mm-hmm. because all those things to me, I felt that that's what's going to help keep my muscles loose. You know that I feel that that if I'm able to, you know, continue, to, uh, I get Pilates in the all, do Pilates in the all season, yoga in the all season, just things I feel that can help me stay limber. Because, mm-hmm. like you, like we talked about earlier, as we get older, our body change, our, no our ability change. You know, our ligaments may get a little weak. You might get, you know, you with us playing the sports, uh, playing in the sports world, arthritis may catch up with you. Mm-hmm. So Especially so many, depending on where you're playing at when that cold weather come in effect. Right, exactly. So. 
those are all the things that you have to uh, account for. But the biggest thing, Mac, is getting rest. So, so during the season, when my kids go to sleep, I go to sleep. And my kids are asleep by 8, 830. Mm-hmm. So then I probably I probably go to bed around probably like 9, 930. Because, you know, I got to got to get the personal time uh, to with the with the lady or if I need to do some extra studying or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'll knock that out. But I'm I'm definitely sleep by 930. 100%. OK. Last question for you before we transition to school check in. You talked about the body aspect and what you've been what you've done to continue to be ready to go mentally as of late. What's the most the, the most recent thing you've learned about playing cornerback that could help continue to elevate your game when it comes to being where you need to be covering wide receivers. And I like to highlight something. I watched, they were, you were mic'd up over a week ago at OTAs and they were showing you go through your drills. You're playing off technique. Uh, it was basically a drill. You're playing off technique, uh, covering a go route. And when you opened up, when he threatened your cushion, you saw you, the, miles, the eyes went directly to the hip. And yeah. it was the ideal coaching tape because so Often for us as DBs, when we open up, we don't keep our eye on the hips. We instantly go to their eye level. And now you're watching them where they can easily manipulate you you with their head movement or their eyes. But what you did was you emphasized the hip and what that does for DBs, for corners, when they drop their hips, that's the first indicator that they're getting ready to run an intermediate route. They get ready to break it off. And that was a thing of beauty. So just exercising your eyes is something I know you live by, you die by. But what are some of the new nuances that you've been able to add to your game mentally to be able to be ready to dominate this upcoming season? Put your coaching hat on for us and let us know. Um, I probably have to say just probably playing playing more off. You know, ever since I, t- I was speaking to ever since we had that conversation with um, Champ Bailey, mm-hmm. he was talking about how it was because I feel like my eyes are. For a blessing and a curse. No question. They can't be. Like, most most, yeah. most DBs ha- will say the same thing. Right. And yeah. I feel like I have once, like when my eyes on is on something, it's very hard to get me off it. So if, like, like if I'm focusing on, if I'm off, all right, I'm in my head saying that, all right, when I turn, I got to keep my eyes low because that's going to be my indicator when he, if, if he's breaking down for a route or a stop or a dig or whatever the case may be, or if he's going to continue pushing, push me up the field, Convert that to a goal, a deeper route, a goal, post, comeback, et cetera. So if my eyes are bad, you know, nine times out of 10, it's going to be a bad rep. So my main focus is literally don't let my eye, don't let my eye see what I don't see, mm. if that makes sense. I want to see what I'm focusing on throughout the whole route. You know, but so if I'm if I'm playing off man. I want to keep my eyes on, on, on my guy until I get the ball indicated, until I dissect the route versus looking back earlier. Because some of the things I, when I look in that tape last year, I was in perfect position on a bunch of balls. It was just I wasn't I wasn't on the receiver just yet. And, and I, as we all know, the quarterback's not throwing us the ball. They no. throw the receiver the ball. Yeah. So They're trying like, to throw where you where, where you not at. Exactly. And I felt like sometimes that I, I just look back a tad bit too early to where now I'm almost kind of like traveling. I mean, tracking down the ball versus being tighter to my receiver where the ball is going to be able to defend the ball a little bit better. But so this year, I just I mean, this offseason, I just literally just been working on my eyes like you alluded to in that tape. When I turn, I want to make sure my eyes in the right position. When I'm in press, I want to make sure my eyes in the, eyes in the right position. When I'm zone turning, I want to mm. make 
my eyes in the right position because my eyes, like I said, can be a blessing and a curse. But when they when my eyes are right, they ain't gonna lie to me. It's go time. No doubt about it. It's go time. And then after that, just react. You know, and, playing and, cornerback is nothing but is nothing but reacting. Yeah, man. And, and if I, I can see the ball, it's over. Nine times out of ten, I'm gonna have it. Hey, we like it. We like it. Quality insight from one of the best to do it, Pat Peterson, talking about body, talking about mind. That's what you got to do, especially as you continue to age. And one thing you can, you, you must understand, you must know, the body will age, but the mind will never age. Never. When it comes to playing sports, especially if you continue to perfect your craft. Minnesota Viking fans, it's time for your favorite part of the show, Skull Check-In. Here's where we tap in with Pat P to give us all the updated information regarding your Minnesota Vikings. As you see us here on YouTube, you see Pat P. He has on his golfing attire. P2 for three. That's what he says on his hat. Make sure you go get you one. They didn't get on the grass today, no practice. They decided to go out, have a golf tournament, I think a charity a charity tournament. Pat P, how did you do? How did your team do today on the golf course? Uh, I think we played. I think we played respectable. You know, although they was using the majority of my balls. Um, but <laughs> we had a good day. I think we finished seven under, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know where that placed, but uh, I had a good group of guys. Like I said, I was playing with the team doctors of the team, so don't don't want to get well acquainted with those guys. <laughs> you know, outside of uh, golf or anything like that. But for the most part, uh, I think we finished like seven under. So okay, that's pretty good. Respectable, it, it, like you said. It does a, a scramble format, so everybody get the opportunity to hit and take the best ball from each shot from there. No doubt, no doubt. Now let's transition to the football field. The newest news coming from Minnesota, you guys made an addition to the secondary. Bashad Breeland signed with the Vikings, former fourth-year, fourth-round selection out of Clemson, won a Super Bowl with Kansas City, made it to the Super Bowl again with Kansas City last year, entering his eighth season in the NFL. He's expected to compete for the starting cornerback job opposite of you uh, with Cam Dantzler. Were you surprised to see that signing uh, with Breland, how much do, do do you know about him? And with him playing in Kansas City, will you eventually reach out to Tyron Matthew, friend of the show, to kind of get a little insight about the player, the new player you guys just brought in? Yeah, for sure. I remember when um, Breland was, I think he was, went right, well, right before he left Washington and went to Kansas City, I was trying to get him out to uh, Arizona. Yeah, okay. to Arizona. So, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with his play. Uh, don't know him personal, personally, but I will definitely reach out to Tyron because I saw he was on our radar that we was going to pop. We brought him in for a visit and things like that. And I know Zim liked those veteran corners. So I think he can come in right away and just, you know, provide that, provide that, that leadership, that big brother role. He played in big games. So he know, he knows how to prepare make plays in big games. So we can, he can um, come in here and um, help the young guys uh, along with me, Harrison and uh, McKenzie you know, show these guys the ropes. You know, I think that's the biggest thing of uh, just, you know, giving back to the the younger generation so we know the game is in good hands once we do decide to hang up our cleats. And speaking of young guys, Cam Dantzler, a second-year player from Mississippi State, uh, made some plays that last year, but like most young cornerbacks do, they give up a few as well. What have you seen from him in year two uh, for this upcoming season so far during OTAs? Cam's looking really good, man. You can tell he's more comfortable now. He understands the scheme. He understands what he cannot give up in certain defenses now. And that's the biggest thing. You know, as a young guy, you just try to cover everything. You know, you just try to cover the whole field when you only have 
the responsibility of either covering your guy yep. or covering a certain part of the field. You know what I mean? So I think now with him going through that year that he did last year, having an opportunity to have 16, 16 games to look at, to see what he can do to, to, to better himself, to put himself in better position. And I think he's done that. He, he, he had a great offseason. Um, coming into OTAs, um, looking real good. Uh, I didn't know he was that tall. You know, Cam, Cam got some uh, nice size on him. I couldn't tell you his official height, but he oh, he's long. About, yeah, he looks about six two, six three. Yeah, and and he can run. You know, so that's a uh, you know that's what Zim like as well on the outside, bigger corners that can run and that 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 can hold up their their own. I think by him going through that season last year, having an opportunity to look at film, uh, I'm, I'm expecting a big year for him. Yeah, he's listed at. At six two, so you know that's the official height, but that's basically six three. You know, depending on who you're asking. So he has the right. range, uh, and and I think he's set up to have a real yeah, no question, no question. I think he's set up to have a real good year this upcoming season, year two for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, but there you have it. Score check in the most noteworthy news coming from Minnesota: the addition of Bashad Breeland, veteran eighth-year corner, signing with the Minnesota Vikings, definitely will add, will add competition uh, to the secondary, specifically speaking, the cornerback position. Let's see how that plays out throughout the course of the year. Yeah, you know what time it is. It's almost time for halftime, but before we get into the half to make our adjustments, we got to check Pat P. Mentos, see exactly where he is with Has Pat Heard. But before we dive into Has Pat Heard, Carolina Panther fans, NFC fans, NFC South fans, make sure you stay tuned because on the opposite side of the half, we will be joined by second-year talented stud player Derek Brown, Carolina Panthers starting defensive tackle, will be joining us on the opposite side, so make sure you stay tuned. But before we get to halftime, has Pat heard? This is a segment in our show where we tap in to see if Pat has been paying attention to what's happening in the sporting world outside of the Minnesota Vikings. He's moving around. He's on a golf course. So he doesn't necessarily be in tune to what's happening. So we decided to implement this in the show. His overall record, 37 of 54. So out of 54 questions, he's gotten 37 right. That percentage is 69%. Real good percentage. Last week, he went three out of three. So what we decided to do, the committee reached out to fans of the show, listeners of the show, to kind of get their input, Pat P. <laughs> so you felt real good last week. You know, you're on your high horse. I don't know if that horse is going to be so high this week. going to be high, though. First, hey, first question for you. Julio Jones traded to the Tennessee Titans. I know you know that. Mm-hmm. But the question is, Tennessee, they're sending two picks to Atlanta. What picks are they? Not the specific number, but what round? Second and fourth. I want to know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So it, was, quick. it was hard. Honestly, Matt, that was a hard one not to see because obviously that was a blockbuster trade. No question. And as soon as that went off, every, I mean, every network, every news channel, every sport network, they knew all the details. And I happened to uh, fall across it because I thought I thought it was going to because I knew they was looking for a first rounder. Yeah, they didn't get thought, it. Yeah, they didn't get the first rounder, which I was uh, not surprised by. But I think I think two and four is, is reasonable. I think, yeah. I think I think I think that's a, a solid trade. And they, and they got players too, right? No, nah, they just got they got Atlanta <laughs> sent a fourth with Julio to Tennessee, but okay. Atlanta received a, a a two and a four, which is kind of similar to what we saw. Um, 
I think DeAndre Hopkins, when the Texans traded DeAndre yeah. Hopkins away, I think they got a second and something back in return, along with the player too. David Johnson was involved in that as well. So, um, you know, Julio uh, has been dealing with some injuries, but when he's on the football field, he's a beast. All-time leading wide receiver, NFL all-time leading wide receiver in receiving yards per ball game. 95.5 is the exact number in 2020. Uh, he missed seven ball games, but he had over 700 yards, 51 receptions, and three receiving touchdowns. So your overall thoughts about that trade is what? I mean, if you look at it. For Tennessee. Tennessee is going to be. For Tennessee. Yeah, for Tennessee. I like the trade, you know, because it's now it's putting them in, you know, the last couple of years. They made the playoffs last year? I'm not sure. Yeah, they made the playoffs. So they made the, they made the playoffs two years in a row, made the AFC championship, not this last season, but the previous season. Yep. They got a good running back. They got a quarterback that's going to pretty much manage the clock and put the ball where it needs to be. I think I saw a stat of Matt, I mean, uh, of Ryan over the last two years. I think he's like top five in every category or something, something like that. I might be wrong, but I know, mm-hmm. he's up, I know he's in the upper echelon in the last two seasons with him being a starter quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. And now that they add Julio Jones, um, you know, AJ Brown already, you know, is a freak of himself. So now having, a true three-headed monster. Mm. I, think, I think the sky's gonna be the limit for him. I, I like I said, I really like the trade. You can tell Tennessee is trying to do something to win now. You know, yeah. they they've been on the door, the doorstep a couple of times and felt like there was a couple of pieces away. I think this is a guy that can definitely get him over a hump because as we saw over the, you know, ever since Julio's been in the league, he's been averaging twelve hundred yards. No question. And I misspoke. The Falcons are sending a sixth with Julio. Six and a six, a six round select, a six round pick with Julio. And you guys have been tied for quite some time. I mean, you were the fifth selection in your draft in 2011. I think Julio was six. He was right behind you. Um, so uh, you guys have always been connected to some degree, especially with the SEC days. But seeing this move, like you said, this is huge for Tennessee. My only concern with Tennessee, how much improved would the defense be? Because that was the Achilles heel last year. Couldn't yeah. stop anybody, couldn't put any pressure on opposing quarterbacks. If they can find a way to get better, Offensively, like you said, with Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, you know, you lost John O. Smith, so that tight end position could have some concerns as well. But they're going to be a well-balanced offense. So defensively, if they can kind of improve their play, uh, this definitely will be a playoff caliber team next year, this upcoming season. So you got the first question right. You was I didn't even finish the question. So, okay, you on your A game so far. You will see. Next question for you. Chad Johnson fought. Uh, on the Mayweather Paul undercard, who did he say he was ready for during his post-match interview? My man said he's ready for Con- Conor, baby. He really want Conor McGregor. He want him now. Chaz said he broke his virginity last, uh, last night. <laughs> yeah. And the, <laughs> the crazy part about it, everybody's joking about Chad getting knocked down, but he was winning. He definitely was winning that fight. He was winning. He didn't. He, he he looked like he belonged in the ring. He didn't look like a guy who this was his first time. He looked more comfortable. You know what I mean? I, Remember we saw Nate Robinson some months ago. Didn't look as comfortable. Now nah, Nate, you know, uh, I, I command Nate for going in there and doing what he did. But yeah, now nah, to me, it just looked like Nate was in a street fight versus a boxing match. No he question. Been just throwing some wild punches, not guarding his chin. You know. And, and granted, too, now, Paul is is almost like how Floyd was early on in the flight when he fought, uh, Jake, or was it Jake, right? He fought Jake. Yeah, yeah, Floyd fought Jake. So the same way, because you saw the, you saw the Logan. Side. No, Floyd, I'm sorry, Floyd fought Logan. All right, so yeah, so when Nate fought 
uh, Jake. Jake. And it kind of got the same body stature, like Floyd and mm-hmm. they about the same height. Yeah, yeah. Floyd's yeah. a professional, so he know he knew how to get in, get inside. May they know how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I feel like you know that 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 I feel like Nate should have fought somebody that had a similar structure to him. Measurables. He, yeah, measurables. I think he would have had a better opportunity. You know you know, a better chance of standing on his two feet at the end of that fight versus being knocked down, what, two or three times. Real quick before we transition to the next question, uh, is there another NFL star, past yeah. or present, you would love to see in the match? Boxing DJ ring? Swellinger, man. I would love to see DJ in the ring. Who that? DJ Swellinger. Oh, okay. And why yeah. is that? Because I've, I've been seeing DJ, actually, he, he trained every offseason. I've been knowing DJ for, what, six years? Mm-hmm. And I, he trained every offseason boxing. That's like his condition. And, you know, looking at him on on uh, on tape, he looks good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He got the movement, got hand speed, got the head movement, got nice jab. Um, you know, I think he looks really good. So I would like to see DJ in the, in the ring, man, a young bull in the ring. Okay. Well, DJ, Pat P, threw your name out there. <laughs> Let's see. That ain't, that ain't a bad day's work if you can stay on your feet. No doubt about it. No question. All right, next question for you. Has Pat heard? What big-time college coach just received an extension? Mm. Well, we got I it. don't know. What big-time coach? Yep. Just received an, hey, I think it's a three-year extension. I mean, there's only three of them worthy of a three-year uh, of, of an extension. It got to be, and I don't think I saw this. It wasn't Nick Saban. Uh, it could. It could be. No, I would have saw that, too. Now you got me on this one, Matt. Ah, we had him on the show. We had him on the show, and it was a coach, big time. Yeah, hey, college coach. College coach. You only had Nick Saban. Nope. We had other coaches. And we Jimbo, had- Kirby. Oh, okay. Herm. Yeah, I probably go. It probably got to be Kirby because he's coming up to the end of his deal. Wrong. Who was it? It was Nick Saban. It was Nick. Nick got a three year extension. Okay. He- at the end of this deal, he'll be 77. Okay. Because I know I remember signed like a 10-year deal, uh, maybe a seven-year deal, like five years ago, right? Well, yeah. He was in the, in, the, in the contentions of getting, well, that's when Texas was trying to get Yep. Okay. We got you on there. You missed one. Now, I remember last week when you got three for three right, you were hollering about, you know, y'all don't need to just ask me questions regarding sports. You know, I'm well-rounded in anything news related. So what we decided to do was, okay, some fans came up with this one. Another royal baby was born. Oh, yeah. What did Meghan Markle and Prince Harry name their girl? Lily something. It's like Lily Pad or something like that. Lily Bet. Yeah, Lily Bet. Yeah, Lily Bet. Diana. Okay. I did that. All right. It's the last question for you. You got that one right. Oh, this is a good one. Jeff Bezos is planning a notable trip after resigning at Amazon. Where is he going? Damn. You're a traveler. You love traveling. But I don't know if you want to go to this place. I know. I saw a picture of it. I'm trying to think. It just just came out like maybe a week ago. Damn, now you got me on this one. All right. But yeah. I did see that. I saw, I saw a picture of it. It was on our You heard it, too. Uh-huh. Out of space. He's planning on traveling out of space. So um, who is the guy? It was another guy that was trying to, because um, I thought he was into this, too, about these, uh, what company was trying to do. They was trying to build a jet mm-hmm. that can get you from L.A. to Japan in, like, 
three hours or something like that. Yeah, I heard I heard about that. Was he was he a part of that investment? I, I don't know if Jeff Bezos was a part of that or Elon Musk was. I know Elon Musk was, but I thought Jeff was involved in that too. But I yeah. did I, I did see the picture. I did I remember seeing them talk about it, yeah. but I can't remember where what he where the hell he was going. Yeah, he's so going I, on a rocket ship called Blue Origin. Blue Origin out of space. Out of space. That's a heck of a trip. Resigning. Yeah, building like a like a two hundred million dollar like a uh, new Amazon um mm-hmm. headquarters somewhere. Jeff got Jeff got so much money. If 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 too much was ever a thing, it would be Jeff. Right. <laughs> if, if too much was ever a thing or a person, it, it would Jeff. be Jeff. No question. All right. So you got that one wrong. I think you were what four for two. No, man, three for five, man. Three for five. I'm sorry, three for five, three for five. My bad, my bad. Good job, three for five. You didn't get everything right, but yeah. I mean, that's 60%. Yeah, you above, you above, you above 50%. Now it's time for seven questions. Seven questions is where we get a chance to interact with you, the listeners and the viewers. If you want your question to be answered here in the show in the near future, leave a question attached to a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we may get to it on the show. This question comes from Darren on Apple Podcasts. Who are the top five coaches you played against? Top five coaches I played against? Yeah, your number one is my number one probably as well. Bill Belichick? No question. Oh yeah, Bill. Yeah, and uh, if you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna mix this, you wanna throw in college coaches that's what I was and pro do. coaches, and you can. Yeah, I was gonna go Bill, Nick, Irvin Meyer. Mm. Uh, I got two more. That damn Sean McVay, man, he tough. Mm. Okay, hey, that's I don't a good think list. I, beat Sean. <laughs> I don't think I beat the Rams since he became a damn <laughs> Now nah, he had a good record, especially against Arizona in Arizona. Yeah, I think he's like eight and zero or something crazy like that. Maybe mm-hmm. like ten now or something yep. crazy. Uh, and my fifth man, I'll probably have to say that uh, that oh eight to two thousand thirteen San Francisco Jim Harbaugh. Oh yeah, was tough. <laughs> hey, well, at Candlestick hey, Park when they were hey, playing at Candlestick. Candlestick. Hey man, I'll never forget this dog. We played, we played San Fran. This was either the year before um their last season playing into um in Candlestick, or it was the year, it was the last year planning there, right? Mm-hmm. So we whooping them, we beating them, right? In the fourth quarter, it's eight minutes to go. No, actually, we was down. We needed to stop. Eight minutes ago, these guys was on their own 15-yard line back and ran the ball all the – they didn't throw the ball one time. All After, running plays. All running plays. Frank Gore left, Frank Gore right. That's when, they, that's when they had just brought – you know, they used to put Frank Gore, like, right behind the quarterback. Mm-hmm. You, you couldn't really see him. Man, not, the first thing he said after the, uh, after the press conference, he was like, yep. That's the old traditional grinding meat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, the boy went grinding meat on us, man. Yeah, I yeah. think it was a well played drive, man. It was something crazy. And they ran the ball 12 times, bro, for like 90, 85 yards or something. Like yeah, that. that's disrespectful. No doubt about no it. No question. Just uh, straight runs. Yeah, and, and with them, we knew they wasn't throwing only only passing plays that San Fran had when they had uh when Jim was there, was freaking uh, just a tight end wheel route. Because he used to run the ball so much, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and Davis just used to slip out. Somehow, yeah. somehow, way on the wheel route, up the sideline, always streaking. And, you know I mean? and, and that was basically their big plays, because Crab, Crab was like more of the possession-type receiver. 
really, really didn't run any routes over 15 yards. You know, but their whole model was just play great defense mm-hmm. and run the football. So, you know, those was my top top five toughest yeah. coaches, uh to go against for sure. Mine would be Belichick one, Dungy two, mm-hmm. Sean Payton three, okay. Harbaugh four. Okay. Uh, and I'm not talking about San Fran Harbaugh Ravens. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the fifth. Who would be the fifth? Ooh, who would be the fifth? That's a good one. Did you play against Bill Parcell? You probably just missed Bill because I think Bill. Hey, when we when we played Dallas, I think I don't know if he was there or not. I don't think I think his last year was like '06. Yeah, think, maybe '05. Uh, I can throw Marty Schottenheimer in there as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, may you rest in peace with, with the Chargers, my rookie year. I think we played my rookie and my second year. Uh, but clearly, you know, I, I, I can throw some other names at the fifth spot, but that top four is definitely set in stone. So I'll put, I'll put Andy Reid as my honorable honorable mention. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Andy when Andy was with Philadelphia, too. Oh, and he had the, the late, great Jim Johnson. Yeah, Jim Johnson was a DC man. Jim Johnson was a beast at calling plays. Some of his blitz concepts were unbelievable. So I forgot about. I would. I would. I would throw Andy Reid in there at the fifth uh, during his Philly days with the late great Jim Johnson. Hey, Darren, great question. Thank you, Darren, for giving us that question on Apple Podcasts. Like I said, if you want to have your question uh, answered on the show, make sure you attach a five star review to, review to your question. It's giveaway time. A few weeks ago, we announced a giveaway of a signed copy of ESPN magazine cover featuring the 2008 Steelers defense. The winner has been chosen at random for leaving a five-star review with their favorite guest. That winner is Rockstar Dan. Congratulations to Rockstar Dan. You will be receiving that 2008 ESPN magazine cover featuring the Steelers defense shortly. We'll be in touch and stay tuned for more giveaways coming up. It's shout out time. We also want to remind everyone that you can find us on Instagram at All Things Covered Pod. Each week, we give clues for our next guest, and the person to guess correctly gets a follow and a shout out on the pod. So we have to shout out two individuals. Uh, the person who guessed Chris Bosch first correctly was Bawaz. Bawaz, shout out for guessing Chris Bosch. The second person who guessed Champ Bailey is uh, Sobi, Sobi2J. Soby2J, he guessed he or she, I would say, guessed Champ Bailey correctly. So, again, thank you for supporting the show, and thank you for your guests as we continue to give hints on who the next upcoming guest will be. Again, follow us at All Things Covered Pod for the very best content from the show. Now, it's time for halftime, and like we promised you guys earlier in the show, we have a special guest joining us on the opposite side of the half, second-year standout player, Carolina Panthers, defensive lineman, starting D-tackle. Derek Brown will be joining us on the opposite side of the half. Stay tuned. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. 
It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. Welcome back, ladies and gents. We're back from halftime. You guys know what time it is. If you've been following the show, you know how we rock and roll after halftime. We usually make a big time addition to our team. And we're going to make an addition to the defensive line, the front the first level guys. We had to go out and get a disruptive player. We gave you a hint on who he is earlier in the show, and you guys know what time it is. Mr. Derek Brown, entering his second season for the Carolina Panthers, seventh overall pick in the 2020 draft, Auburn Tiger alum, 2019 SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Join us here, all things covered. Pat Peterson, Brian McFadden, Derek Brown, how you doing? I'm good, man. Just sitting at the house and eating and relaxing. So let's go back into the beginning. Growing up in Georgia outside of Atlanta, when did football become a big part of your life? I uh, grew up playing the game. You know, wasn't in love with it. Thought I was a hooper all the way through. And, uh, you know, eventually that hoop dream went to, you know, it, it was just over with. <laughs> and even to this day, you know, I still hoop. But, you know, I think my, my sophomore year in high school really started to realize that. You know, football could open the next chapter of my life and being able to go to college for free and then just being it. And I knew if I could get that opportunity and I feel like I could propel myself to be able to play at the highest level. So was was there was there ever a point that basketball was a bigger priority since you just said that you kind of know football was, you know, something that you was going to do? Was there any thought in your mind that you were able to you know play basketball? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I had a bunch of, like, small schools offer me and stuff. I was, like, six folks, so I wouldn't have designed Williams of the world. But, uh, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, I was just, you know, hooping was – that was my thing from the time I started hooping when I was seven. And, you know, just – I thought that was going to be my lifestyle. But, you know, it, it eventually ended up turning into more of a off-season conditioning for football. Right. And, something to, you know, do and play pickup with my boys at the end. And speaking of Zion, there, there's a, I don't know if it's a rumor, but there's, you know, you have some legendary stories about your ability to play above the rim. They said you're a big time dunker. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got the high school tape for that. I ain't well, know how, I, how heavy were you? How, how big were you? Uh, I think that I was probably playing at like 295, but oh. I mean, yeah. And you were dunking like that? Oh, yeah. Back in high school? Oh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't Zion. I wasn't windmilling. But, you know, I try to, you know, get the gym a little excited. Man, that's, that's impressive. That's that's yeah. super impressive. Do you still play a little bit now, pick up here or there? And if so, can you still dunk? Oh, yeah, I can still dunk. Yeah, I play pick up here and there for sure. You know, that's a lot better than, you know, getting that field work when it's cold outside in the wintertime. <laughs> so, so, Miles Garrett or Derek Brown? Oh, and a one-on-one, Pat P? One-on-one bat on the court? On the court. No, I'm taking myself. (laughs) (laughs) And what we just saw, Cleveland coach said, uh, not Zion, uh, Miles Miles had to retire because he was, uh, I want to say he was getting a little reckless out there, but I thought he was a little careless, you know, to say, you know what I mean, driving to the lane as hard as he was and dunking. All that is all glamorous and stuff, but, you know, I, I think, you know, football is, Definitely should be the priority. So, like like you said, when I'm when I do play basketball, I don't do it anymore. I treat it more like a conditioning thing, getting my feet right. You know, just trying to stay in front of the defender. I mean, offensive player. Yeah. So uh, I, I kind of do the same thing um, that, that you do. I use it for conditioning. So I think that's a great idea, especially for a big man like you, a guy that's going to be a three down guy that's not coming off the field. So kudos to you. 
Hey, hey well, you got to send us some of your basketball clippings. So when we officially release this, we need to have some highlights, you know, back in some of these stories that you're giving us. So you got, yeah, you got to, you got to send us some, uh, some of your highlights. I know you got some of them, some of them in the lockbox somewhere, you know, yeah, floating had, around. When I was in high school, I had a, I had a Samsung Galaxy. Then I had switched over and I got the iPhone mm-hmm. and all my videos went just gone. But I got to see if I'm still on the huddle server, you know, maybe my high school showed me a little love and didn't kick me <laughs> off the huddle server, but we'll see. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. At a different point during your recruiting process, Georgia and uh, Alabama was a favorite to sign you. Why? What was the turning point for Auburn? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't ever think I had a true favorite. Uh, to be honest, I mean, you know, it, it it was one of those things where you know I felt like you know what was the best place for me. Um, you know, I I, I did like UJ. UJ was down the road, but you know, I it, it all came down to honestly the coaching staff at Auburn. To be honest, and I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world because my you know I. My process took me, you know, where I wanted to go. So, you know, I just hope it just continues. And and talking about those two teams, uh, they played a big role in your sophomore season at Auburn. The Tigers upset Alabama in the Iron Bowl, but then lost to UGA uh, in the SEC championship game. What stands out about those back-to-back games to you the most? Uh, that was a whirlwind. I'll never forget. That was four weeks. That was a whirlwind of four weeks. We played yeah. Georgia. They were ranked number one team in the country. We beat them 41-17. Then we played, played a smaller school the next week. And then, you know, our last game of the season, the Iron Bowl. We beat mm-hmm. Alabama Iron Bowl. And when we beat them in the Iron Bowl, 26-14. And then we went to SEC Championship. So, you know, we played them. We played them the heavy SEC schedule at the back end of the year. Right. And, you know, it was just one of the things where, like, you know, we went into the SEC Championship game. It kind of just fell apart, to be honest. <laughs> it kind of just fell apart. And, uh, you know, we made and then thought that thing was going to be a little bit more, you know, we had a chance to go up 13-0, you know, put the, put the nail in the coffin, but it don't quite just pan out that way all the time. Yeah, I get that. So going back to your freshman year, your first ever college game against Deshaun Watson and the Clemson, uh, Clemson Tiger who won the title the year before, you registered a fumble recovery. Um, what was it like playing on that stage and getting, like, the notoriety right away? Yeah, so my first ever game was, you know, Playing this Clemson, it was a nighttime game, <laughs> right? Right after they had one national championship, it was crazy. You know, I remember when my coach got to put me in the game for the first time. I was like, Who, like me? <laughs> you want me to go in there? And uh, you know, it's one of the things that you know we just look back and laugh on. You know, I got that fumble recovery. You know, at the time I thought that was the biggest thing in the world, but then like you know, it's just been like just just to see things how they go from like doing doing that to the how everything went at the end, the end of my college career. Yeah, how how amazing was Deshaun Watson for you, you know, being so young in your collegiate career, but playing, playing against one of the best to do it at that time at the quarterback position, man. How how amazing was he when you guys faced off? Oh, man, I mean, he was good, man. I mean, you know, he had just won the national championship. You can't, you can't say the man's not good. Uh, I actually knew about him a little bit before that. He played in the same region of high school as my high school was. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he was – in Gainesville, and we moved up to there when I was in junior year, playing with them. And uh, now I had known about him for a while, so I mean it was cool to you know just be able to see him and you know see him ball on the field. So Derek, in 2018, we know you squatted 590 pounds. I think most I ever got max was like 540. I don't think I can touch that 590. What you think you can max out right now? I know that was bought about three years ago. What you think? I, I, I know you're in the 600s now. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, it's funny. I had hit that uh, 590 when I was in college, but then, you know, it's kind of one of them, like, you know, 
on that second rep, my back kind of shook, so I had been a little spooked. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things you'd be like, I don't want to lose this. You know, I don't want to lose everything. This little squat rep, right? But this off season, I, this is probably the hardest I've been training this whole off season. You know, lifting weights wise in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, got up to six fifty on squat. Ooh, that's a lot. That's a lot of weight. Ooh. That's the, so. So you saying that's what you're doing right now? On you, you put six fifty on the squat and go get it. Is that for one rep or is that something you can get for a few reps? Oh, that's a triple. Ooh. Ooh, that's grown man. Forgot about it. What uh, what Levar Ball said, Pat P. He he, he he's stronger than a gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, that's grown. Hey, that's grown man strength, Derek. So how important is the squat when it comes to your get off? Like. Because you're a very, very explosive guy, not to mention, you know, playing basketball and playing above the rim. But the power that you have established in the weight room, how does that transition to the football field for you? Uh, you know, I, I think it's got a lot to do with it. But, you know, I, what I've had to learn so far is, you know, that core work. That core work is important. Right. That, uh, that core? Stabilizing that core, you know, it's got a lot to do with the game. And, you know, I, big part right there, baby. <laughs> When, uh, you know, and, and that's been something I've been trying to focus on all season because, you know, last year I felt like because my core wasn't as strong as, as I'm like, as I've had it before, then mm-hmm. it was hard. To, it was a lot of falling forward and all this stuff. And, you know, just watching my game and being cut a lot on the backside, like stuff like that, you know, it was all really because I'm, I'm going forward, but I'm out of control and I can't control myself because my core is not bracing the rest of my body. Wow. So what have you been doing to strengthen the core? Because you don't usually hear linemen, O-linemen, D-linemen highlight the core, you know, trying to uh, emphasize and get the core stronger. But for you, you know, what have you been doing to have a stronger core to be able to be a dominant player this season? I mean, I, you know, it's one of those things I had to actually focus on, you know, it's something, you know, at first when I tried to, you know, address the problem, I tried to kill it and go abs every night. And that wasn't, that wasn't the solution. <laughs> it kind of laid me down for a little while. I had my, had everything sore. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was kind of something, you know, figuring out with strength staff and, and, and just, you know, being able to figure out like, what do I need to put in my body to be able to help the recovery of my, help the recovery of my body, but then also be able to push my body to the point of where I feel like I'm getting stronger in my core, my legs and my arms. Yeah, right. no doubt, no doubt. Let's take a look at your uh, alma mater, you know, Auburn. They had a coaching change, you know, uh, they fired Gus Malzahn. Uh, they brought in Brian Harson uh, this offseason. What are your expectations for the Auburn Tigers this upcoming season with a new head coach? Uh, yeah, I've got to get around and uh, meet Coach Harson and his and, and the new snap, staff coming in. And, uh, you know, they seem pretty cool. You know, I don't know, man. I ain't going to lie. Like, you know, the SEC got its own little thing, you know. I, mean, I always hope the best for them boys, but you know who knows what's gonna happen this year. Yeah. Oh, and look, well, quick question for you: I know Auburn fans will love to hear your take on this. Is it finally Bo Nix time? Mm. I got a lot of faith in Bo. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I, I got a lot of faith in Bo. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you know he got you got to step up and he got he got to show show why they bought him there. I mean, they don't matter who bought you there. I mean, you there now, you got to be able to produce. Mm. Right, I agree. So now we're moving forward, you know, going to draft night. Draft night's arrived. Draft night arrived. All right, it's a three-part question for me. Where did you think you'll be taken? And what were your first thoughts on landing in Carolina? And what type of pressure did you feel heading to a young defense as a seventh overround overround pick? On that first one, I thought, you know, I thought it was between Detroit and Carolina. Didn't know if I was gonna go three or seven or, you know. 
it's one of those things where you'd be like, man, I really don't fall. And then just all those different things flowing through your head that night. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I, when I got picked by Carolina, man, I was, you know, I was rejoiced about it. I was very happy to be up here. It was one of those things that, you know, I was you know, Coach Rule, new staff, and just being able to come in with them was the biggest thing for me. And, you know, being being number seven pick, coming into, you know, a new defense and everything, you know, I felt like the expectations were so high. I put a lot of stress on myself to be able to live up to that stuff. And, you know, I think just kind of midway through the season, like I, I kind of hit a wall where I was like, you know, like you ain't got to do it all. Like you don't have to do everything. Just got to just focus on doing your job and then, it slowed the game down for me a lot more and being able to sit down and, you know, take from the vets like KK Short and, you know, those guys to be able to, you know, understand what they went through. I mean, they, they like, they were looking at, you know, I'll be talking to KK and they'd be like, man, like I'm frustrated, this or that or whatever. He'd be like, bro, you got to just calm down. Like this, this is how, this is the process of how things are going to go. Right. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. What were some of the challenges of being a rookie, not having a normal offseason, not having a normal, you know, summer camp to get prepared for the season? And most importantly, you know, dealing with the COVID season. What some? What were some of the challenges you had to deal with? Uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have I didn't have much to deal with, uh, to be honest. I mean, you know, this, this OTA thing is now is new to me, you know, we're getting it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I didn't have that last year. But um, we had... Um, What's it called? Uh, you know, going into camp last year, being able to, it was hard. I, oh, I take that back. It was, you know, I had a lot of challenges being able to sit there behind the iPad all day and go through those meetings virtually because I'm a guy who learns from doing. So it was, mm-hmm. it was hard to be able to virtually see everything, hear everything, and then try to remember it because if I'm not going through it on the field or going through it on the cans, it's hard. It's hard to remember that stuff. So what was the biggest adjustment for you then from the college level to the pro level? Like you said, you didn't have that offseason to get adjusted to it. What was the biggest adjustment you feel that you had to make from the college level onto the uh, onto the pro field on the fly? Uh, I think just the ability to be able to push myself to work out. I mean, when I was at because I was I was still back in Atlanta after I got drafted for two months before I could even get up here and move into my house. So we in meetings all day and then still got to try to figure out a time to work out. And, I, you know, coming out of college, you know, everything is structured. You're going to be at here, work out of this, you know, and now you got to create that structure for yourself in your life. And then, you know, nobody's there to hold you accountable. So it's one of the things where it's like, you know, either you're going to do this or you're not. Because, I mean, you may wake up one morning and be like, man, I don't feel good. But in college, you knew, like, if you woke up and wasn't feeling good, you was going to at least have to go to the training room before right. anybody. <laughs> you still got to show your face. <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely know how that is for sure. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, when you look at your rookie campaign, you you, you played against some real prolific quarterbacks, right? Matter of fact, you got your first two sacks against Aaron Rodgers. So I know you have to explain the feeling of sacking the MVP from a year ago. Two times, matter of fact, your first two two career sacks came against Aaron Rodgers. But other notable quarterbacks you played against during your rookie campaign. New Orleans, of course, with Drew Brees. Uh, You had Tampa, of course, with the GOAT, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Pat Mahomes, all the quarterbacks that you faced your rookie campaign. All of did them. You, were you starstruck from any of the quarterbacks that you were going against, some of the names that I just mentioned to you? And did any of those guys talk trash to you? No, nah, I don't think it was trash talk. It was the second game we played, and I was like, you know, we played, we went down to Tampa. You know, first game we played the Raiders. Uh-huh. Went down to Tampa the second game. I was like, no, this is really Tom Brady. Like, I'm really lining up. Like, my job, they paying me to go get this man right now. You know, it was one of the starstruck moments. But, you know, it was 
I don't know, like, I think after that game, I was like, you know, like, okay, now you got to realize, like, you belong here with these folks. Like, <laughs> you yeah. can't just be getting starstruck every single time you see somebody on the field. Did you, get close to, was, did you get close to hitting Tom Brady? Did you hit him, getting pressures on him? Second game, you know, I got a few hits, but, you know, I you know, I wanted that. I wanted that Drew Brees sack, man. I mean, <laughs> Drew Brees, I mean, when he retired, it, it kind of killed my soul, man. Uh-huh. It was like, you know, I'm playing in, 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 in NFC South, so I'm like, Okay, well, like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, like these boys down here were like, you know, this is the opportunity to get it. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was just like, Drew, we were playing against the Saints, and um, I was bull rushing the center, and I was like, I, I, I had seen him like draw his arm to the side and throw the ball, but I didn't really realize what happened. I came home and I cut the TV on, watched the TV version, and he like side arms the ball around me. I'm like, oh, that's a bad boy right there. No questions. No questions. Hey, real quick, speaking of bad boys, Pat Mahomes went crazy. I mean, when y'all played Pat Mahomes, man, it was tough. It was he threw for 372 yards and four touchdowns. What was that experience like going against one of the up-and-coming, you know, goats of the game at the quarterback position in Pat Mahomes? Uh Russian integrity. I say that much. <laughs> yeah. It was one of them games where like you had to always be aware. Uh, yeah. you know, because no matter if he's running around, he one of them guys that like he gonna make he gonna make that play extend with his feet. So either he gonna kill you and slide, he gonna kill you for a few yards and slide, or you gonna or somebody's gonna come off their man and he gonna find he gonna find a weak spot right behind you. Mm. I, I, yeah, I, I had an opportunity to play against Pat Mahomes, and one of my nightmares I hate going up, going up against is that damn Russell Wilson, Houdini in the helmet. <laughs> you 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 don't think you played Russell yet, did you? Nah, I ain't playing Russell yet. Hey man, just be ready to run and don't stop. <laughs> and <laughs> what coach is always gonna tell you, and it's true, don't leave your feet. Cause Russell's jump for that pump fake. That pump fake, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I got I got got in college, and then when I got to the sideline, I heard it so bad. I ain't never jumped. <laughs> <laughs> don't leave your feet. <laughs> so Derek, do you have any individuals goal, individual goals going into your second season? Yeah, uh man, you know. You know, last year I was just trying to trying to get my feet wet, man. I'm, I, you know, I want to be considered, you know, one of the best tackles in the league. And you know, it's a lot. I put a lot into this offseason of trying to get to that point. And you know, my focus and you know my ability to understand the game is just improving, improving day by day. And you know, I think more so now it's not so so much that I'm so worried to mess up. It's uh, how can I how can I take my game to be next to the uh, Fletcher Cox, Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, mm-hmm. like what? What can I emulate in my game from them? Because I mean, you know, a lot of time people compare themselves to like AD. Well, I mean, if you're not six two, you're not really gonna be able to play like AD. You know what I'm no saying? Question. Yeah. And then if you're not if you're not doing the moves that Chris Jones or Fletcher do, then you know it, it's hard to play like that. But you got to figure out what do they do that you can emulate into your game. I feel like. Well, well, give us a number when when it comes to expectations. Uh, clearly, you want to be better than what you were last year. That's always the goal to make improvements. But give us a number sack sack wise. What what, what you looking at tackle wise? Any TFLs tackle for loss? Give us give us some numbers to uh, to to uh, add to that goal list for you this upcoming season. Uh, I'm gonna be modest. I mean, I'm trying to get you know five sacks. I mean, if I can get over that, then you know I'll probably be balling, balling. But uh, you know, we'll see. The oh, ten yeah. TF- Hey, Derek, I'm not gonna be modest for you. You say five, I'm gonna add another five to that. Go get your ten. Yeah, I say you gotta get your double. Go get, get your ten. Double. You can go get, get your ten. I, I was on the sideline. I watched you play last year. You can get it. <laughs> no question. 
No and question. Like, and the thing is, for, for Derek, the most important thing for him, he actually have is more of a normal offseason. He's training. He's grinding. Man, say he benching. I mean, squatting almost six, seven hundred pounds. Dang, right. like that should warrant three sacks right there alone just from the not, squat. And not only that, Adam, one of my former teammates, Hassan Reddick, coming off his best season. Yeah. What do you think he can add to the defense? Because now you have edge pressure and interior pressure. That's a recipe for success right there. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned Hassan. Me and him were talking about it the other day and just talking about, you know, the things that he learned at AZ with Buck and, uh, you know, just just everything everything he was talking about, man. I mean, you know, he got a lot of knowledge about the game and being able to rush. So, I mean, just being able to, you know, absorb that stuff. Because I'm not a guy who's going to sit there and be like, man, yeah, I know this, I know that. You no know, question. This is truly like my, like, you know, in college, you pass rush, but in the SEC, you know, you're gonna they're gonna run that ball until <laughs> they're gonna run the ball until you prove that you can stop it. Right. No question. And, you know, in the league, like, you know, it, it's, it's all types of pass game, quick game, uh, you got to drop back. I mean, you got to be able to get it's all type of stuff, play action, rollouts, <laughs> everything. Hey, and you know what? The, the, the thing I like about Carolina's defense this upcoming season, you guys had a lot of play young players that had to play a lot. You know what I mean? That develop. I love Jeremy Chen, versatile Swiss Army knife type of defensive player. Um, Shaq Thompson, you added Denzel Perriman, uh, Dante Jackson in the secondary, SEC guy, and Brian Burns. So talking about adding Hassan Reddit, Brian Burns, they got you in the interior. Man, you got some, you got some guys that most might not see as household name players just yet, but individually speaking, Man, Derek, that defense, not to mention you just added J.C. Horn. So how excited are you about the defense with all the new pieces that I just mentioned, along with the guys that grew a lot defensively for your unit last year? How excited are you about this unit? Man, I'm very excited. You know, it gets, it goes deeper than the names you just named. Uh, you know, just being able to build that depth. I mean, you know, being able to know that you can, you got 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 plus guys that can go out there and get that thing done no matter what happens. You know, I think we just got to develop. We got to just get, you know, that dog mentality all the way across the board. And, I mean, once that happens and you're talking about the people got real problems on their hand and, then, you know, with us being so young, you know, that's for years to come. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I, th I think this unit definitely could be a unit that could surprise some people. And, you know, especially if they can, can find that structure uh, balance offensively. I mean, last year we had Teddy Bridgewater, I'm not sure, a few weeks ago. Uh, he's no longer there. You brought in Sam Darnold. Uh, what have you seen from Sam Darnold so far throughout your OTA practices? Uh, man, he's a competitor. Uh, you know, he go out there, go to work, command the offense. You know, I, I don't pay much attention to him, you know, unless it's, you know, trying to figure out where he's falling back in the pocket. But, you know, <laughs> It's just, you know, I mean, I respect what he do. Uh, you know, the boys be on the other side. Yeah. yeah. And matter of fact, Pat P, y'all will face off against each yeah, other. We, yeah, we, we faced Carolina this year. And I wanted to ask you, uh, Mac asked you about your early impressions about Sam. What is your early impressions about uh, JC? We've been uh, we've been seeing him kill, you know, Instagram yeah. lately off the, the posters that the NFL been putting up and the Carolina Panthers have, have been putting up as well. Is he as well as advertised? And we had him on the show also. And we had JC on the on the show as well. Is he as good as advertised? Man, I I, is, but you 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 at practice with him every day. Yeah, man, I ain't gonna lie. You know, he, he's another dude, young dude coming in. He's trying to soak it up. I mean, you know, the most the best thing you can do is get the experience before you ever have to go through it. I mean, that's you get that from listening to the older and you know hearing them and you know just 
trying to figure out what they know before you before you ever had to you know get taught that hard lesson that comes along with learning. Right. And you know, I, I mean, JC seems like a dude who's, who's out there to work. Man, I ain't gonna lie to you. Y'all got a lot of SEC guys yeah. on that defense. Matter of fact, you you were you were number seven, right? And JC was number eight. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. What kind of what kind of rookie uh, obligations did you have? Did you have to get breakfast for the guys? Did it, what did it make you do your rookie year? Uh, you know, we had to, uh, had a dinner. Uh, had to do. How much plane. did you spend for your dinner? The uh, dinner was like thirty one. Thirty one what? Thousand. <laughs> what? <laughs> thirty one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! They hit you for thirty one bands, Derek? It was three of us. We had a first round, a second round, and, and a sixth oh, round. Oh, oh, y'all split it. Y'all split it. Yeah. Yeah. Where y'all ate at? Del Frisco's. Shoot. Oh, that's that's a heck of a tip right there. Carry on. See, now I don't like that, Derek. They they, they, they no, because we when I was in Pittsburgh, Pat, I don't know how y'all did it in AZ, but the seg, I take the seg out. So it's only DBs. Like I don't want to, I don't want to co-mingle with offensive and defensive linemen because they eat different. No, okay. yeah, it's only the DBs. It better been only the, the D linemen. Yeah, oh, yeah, I don't know how like, they so you had to pay the majority of that 31K, Derek? Oh, yeah. How much you had to pay of that? No, it wasn't no pretty check that night. <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all go out after, or was it just dinner and back home? Nah, you know, we were still in that COVID stuff, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got lucky. Yeah. You got lucky, because you, you, nine times out of 10, you probably go out after dinner, and you had to take care of the table, too. So here's my question. So y'all did this during the season? Well, most of our stuff was on the back end of the season, so we were able to do after. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, man, they let you really let you out. Man, you supposed to do it after the season, man. Ain't nobody got no obligation. We can Pat go P, what you spent your rookie year? You were top five. What you had to spend? I was by myself, man. What you? What I got you for? Long ago, I really don't remember, but it it was it was around that thirty because I I had to pay huh? for hotels, I had to pay for dinner, I had to get the flights. Where y'all flew to Vegas? L.A. Oh, y'all went to L.A. I had to get everything, man. We went. I had the dinner, like I said, I had to get the cars. I was literally, I was the only rookie DB. <laughs> man, I, I, had, I was sick, yo. Yeah, y'all went to L.A. too. Man, man, man when I, said, I had to buy everything. I got everything, man. That was a pretty ticket. <laughs> Shoot. Hey, Derek said 31. I said 3,100. <laughs> that don't even sound right. For right. food? That don't even make sense. For food and drink? 3,100 is for me and my eight family. My eight, my eight family members. No it's question. Hey, DB, last question for you before we transition to the superlative part of the show. What type of season for you would you consider to be a success for Carolina in 2021? Being able to, you know, have I, I think, honestly, at this point, you know, for us to be able to make the playoffs, that's mm-hmm. going to be Break break the tip of the iceberg off and just you know get to the point of where you know we put ourselves in position to play to play the big dogs you know you know just like they say in basketball you know it's one thing to get to the dance it's one thing to get to the playoffs it's you know but once you get there then then everything happens for anything just get in the tournament just mm-hmm. just get into the tournament anything can happen when you get in that's that's that I, I love that you know some I know most most of the time it's cliche for people to say win the Super Bowl but heck to win the Super Bowl you got to get in the tournament got to get in the tournament. You got to get in the playoffs. That should be the f- most important goal, get into the playoffs. And then once you win, anything can happen. So, hey, we definitely going to be tuning in to see you get the 10 sacks that we just 
throughout there, we're going to manifest that and let that just circulate, sizzle in your spirit a little bit. And if you get that 10 sacks, nine times out of 10, Derek, y'all probably be in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to transition to the superlative part of the show. We hit you with rapid fire questions. We want your honest, unbiased answer. We're going to go no huddle. Let's see how you, how your conditioning is. First question I got for you. It's a two-part question. Most hated SEC rival and most hated NFC South rival. Most hated SEC rival. You know, I'm I'm hard to say Alabama and Georgia because I couldn't stand either one of them. And honest. you still don't like either one of them, right? Nah, uh, you know, I got my teammates in the locker room, so I got to blast them boys every chance I get. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. UGA and Bama. What about SE, uh, NFC South rival? Most hated. Thanks. Uh, the Fal- the Falcons. <laughs> wow. For the team. So so this upcoming season, who who do you want to sack the most? Or who do you want to just lay a good hit into more? Tom Brady or Matt Ryan? No, nah, I need that Tom Brady sack. I like that. Right. I like toughest, it. Toughest matchup of your rookie season. Like for offensive line, a guard. Center, Ooh. tackle. Like, who was your toughest matchup during your your rookie season? I'm sending boys down from Tampa. I mean, they had a great offensive line. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Marpet, Jensen, those guys. I mean, they 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 did their job very well. You know, it showed off and paid dividends in the end. Right. No doubt. No doubt. Last question for you: Strongest player on the Panthers team right now is? Oh, that's me for sure. <laughs> no question. What you bench? <laughs> no you, how much? How much you putting on the bench? Oh, 450, easy. Four fifty. You say easy. Oh yeah, a man moving and, the house, man. And six ninety on the squat. Yeah, and, and still can dunk. Oh yeah, and still dunking. Still dunking, man. We got to see that. We got to see. It. We got to see. Derek, you, you six what? Six four? Would six, you six four, six five? Uh, right there in between. You get a new number every time. Yeah, <laughs> get on hot taking. And what? Three what? Oh, three twenty. Yeah, three twenty with a strong core. Hey, yeah. moving it. Strong good like core. Hey, hey, Derek, that's not like a Pro Bowl type year now. I'm trying to tell you. That's not like a Pro Bowl type year. We call it here first. No question. We call it here first, man. That's what we do, man. We want to make sure all our guests go out and ball out. Yes, and, so. and, and Pat P, you're going to see up close and personal because y'all play each other weeks. I saw it last year. I saw it last year. Oh, yeah, you saw it last year. No question. You did. You saw him last year. Uh, the young man got a motor, man. I was uh, like I said, I was I was impressed. And like we talked about earlier, it's just that defense in general. I thought they had a great, you know, defensive. I, I couldn't tell you what their stat was as far as defensively. Yeah. But looking at them boys play on on film, they was getting after the quarterback. They, they got some pieces. Yeah, playing with a lot of enthusiasm, high energy, and that's all you can ask for a defense to do. You know, play with high energy, play mistake free football, and let everything else take care of itself. So, no question. Like you talked about, Carolina definitely has the recipe. For success now is just going to be on Derek in the game and Sam in the game to get the guys going to to start turning uh turning that season into wins. So it's going to be exciting to see you guys ball this year, man. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, man. We appreciate you, Derek, joining us here. All things covered. Patrick Peterson, Brian McFadden. Most importantly, stay healthy. Oh yeah, and go and, and go get the quarterback. Go get the quarterback <laughs> and and go get the ten sacks. When you get that ten sacks, man, just give us a little shout out, man. Say, yeah, you know what? All things covered said you were modest. You said five. We added another five to it. Double so, that. Double yeah, that. yeah, yeah. All right, DB, be good, baby. All right, y'all too. Thanks again to Derek Brown and thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of All Things Covered. If you like what you hear, make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. 
We'll be back soon where you can expect all things to be covered. Peace. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.